Hey, welcome back to the weekend edition of Outdoors Live on News Radio, the Mighty 790 KFGO. And I'm your host, Doug Lear. The last shot, the last shot for this weekend edition of Outdoors Live. Uh, we still have a Central Dakota Outdoors report with Pat Stockdale. We're going to get you a podcast extra with Bruin Agri Gone Outdoors, uh, and you can listen to them. You listen to Bruin Agri Gone Outdoors on Saturday mornings at 11 a.m. We know not everybody can listen to them on Saturday mornings. We know not everybody can listen to a podcast. So we break out a podcast extra for you each and every weekend. Before we do that, let's get you a Central Dakota Outdoors report with Pat Stockdale. You read her work in Dakota Country Magazine. She is an award-winning outdoors communicator, and she connects with uh, the people and the places, the bait shops, the gas stations, the motels, the resorts, the guides, to give us a better idea of where people are going, what they're doing, what they're finding outdoors. Well, Pat, what's cooking outdoors this week? Thanks, Doug. Well, hunting season is officially upon North Dakota now that dove season is underway and archery deer hunting began September 3rd. But that doesn't mean all of the anglers are putting away boats and fishing rods. Not just yet. Granted, the number of anglers on lakes across the state is less, but that's the norm for this time of the year. Devil's Lake remains fair to good for walleye working from about 10 feet out to 25 feet using spinners and bottom bouncers with night crawlers. Work along any of the highways and slip into Pelican Lake as well. In addition, East Bay is also producing nice perch in 20 plus feet using slip bobbers and night crawlers or minnows. Some are nice sized in the 12 inch range and there are also a few nice walleye mixed in. Reports are scanned from our other bigger water bodies in the east like Jamestown and Pipestem Reservoirs, Spiritwood Lake, and Lake Ashtabula, but Anglers are heading to smaller area lakes and finding some success. Look for more activity on the Missouri River in the Bismarck-Mandan area now that water and air temperatures are a little cooler and there's less recreational activity. Up on the tail race, it's still fair for small walleye with good catfish success. The best time remains at night using three-way swivels in the chutes and look for some walleye from the shore at night as well. The east end of Lake Sakakawea continues producing walleye deep in 35 to 52 feet. Just remember to keep them when they come from that deep. Look for fish to come up into shallower water if the water temperature is cool. Try spinners and bottom bouncers or slow death hooks along Douglas or Stanky Bays and the Riverdale Bluffs. Salmon remain deep with most in that 80 to 105 feet, working deeper over anything around 130 feet. Try to follow the thermal line, thermal climb though, that's the key. Most activity is along Government Bay working to Dead Man's Bay, with anglers working the face of the dam when it's windy. But back to hunting. Nice dove numbers are scattered throughout the state yet. Look for scrub trees near any areas with water and along small grain and canola fields. Please remember North Dakota's new hunting trespass laws that allow landowners to post their land electronically. That's definitely new for everyone hunting in the state now, and it means that just because land isn't posted as it was in past years, that it isn't posted now. The North Dakota Game and Fish Department website, gf.nd.gov, has information to help hunters try to navigate through the new requirements. Appreciate that report. That is Pat Stockdale. 
and she is an award-winning outdoors communicator. Again, read her work in Dakota Country Magazine and various other publications across the Midwest. Right now, it's time to get you that podcast extra from Scotty Brewer and Kyle Agri. You hear Brewer and Agri gone outdoors at 11 o'clock on Saturday morning. Not everybody can listen then, and not everybody can check out their podcasts. So here is a podcast extra from Scotty Brewer and Kyle Agri. And although this guy is a new guy, gone outdoors is definitely not a new guy to the outdoor business. Chatting with Henry Drews, the Northwest Region Fisheries Manager, retired. Henry, congratulations on your retirement here recently. That's super exciting. Thanks, guys. I, I'm I'm looking forward to this uh, new frontier that I'm embarking on. <laughs> yep, a new frontier. Uh, so I'm guessing that. Although you're retired, you're still talking to us on the radio. Getting away from the fisheries probably isn't going to happen. It's probably not that easy as just saying, I'm retired, and you walk away from it. No, it isn't. You know, after 35 years of the DNR and six years in college and three years in other states, you know, it's, uh, it's something that's been a part of my life for a very long time. And uh, I'm still very, very passionate about uh, the fishing that we have and what our folks do to try to make fishing better. and. And I have just lifelong friends still in the agency, even with North Dakota Game and Fish and South Dakota Game and Fish. And, you know, we'll stay connected. Uh, there'll be opinions shared and, uh, and hopefully uh, we'll, we'll have a beer or two on the water. That's a great plan, truly a great plan. For our listeners, Henry, who may not be familiar with what the term Northwest Region means in terms of the scope of your work. How big of an area is that in the state of Minnesota? How many lakes maybe? Or just give us some context to understand the scope of that responsibility you held for so many years. It's basically the Northwest quarter of the state runs from Alexandria all the way to the Canadian border. And then from the other side of Leech Lake and and, um, Cass Lake, you know, to the Dakota border. So it's a pretty large area probably 1,500 uh, fishing waters that are well-known and with management plans. Uh, some of the key waters in our region that I worked with was Upper Red Lake and Lake of the Woods, Leech and Gas, the Rainy River, and uh, the Red River. I got to work on some real pioneering work on the Red River in the late 80s and kind of set the stage for today's management for catfish and lake sturgeon. So it's real diverse, muskies, panfish, walleye, bass, uh, northern pike, and that's Part of the attraction to me to Northwest Minnesota was working with our seven field offices and being able to work with a rather diverse um, fishing resource. You know, Henry, we got a we got a little list of questions for you, and the more you talk, the more that list grows. I mean, literally, we could talk to you for half an hour about some of this stuff, and you know, maybe someday we'll get you on again about about some of the more detailed stuff. But you you were the Northwest Region Fisheries Manager for 23 years, and you've been with the Minnesota DNR for over 35 years. During that time as a fisheries manager, what are a couple of the highlights that you think were big challenges for your department and that turned out very well? Well, I I think you have to start that list with uh, the restoration of the Red Lakes walleye fishery. You know, that fishery totally collapsed in the mid-1990s due to overharvest and uh, it took a commitment between the Red Lake Band and the state of Minnesota to change everybody's ways and to dedicate to the recovery of that population. When we embarked on that in the late 1990s, we weren't even sure, you know, we could pull it off. And we were wildly successful. And um, I take great pride in the relationships that the state and the, and the Red Lake Band have forged to keep that going. 
you know, there's always a lot of friction between tribal management and state management. This is truly a national success story of, of the two jurisdictions working together. So, so that would be one right on the top of the list. You know, the downturn in Leech Lake walleye fishery in the, in the mid 19, or mid 2000s, early mid 2000s. That was, that was tough. That was really tough. Um, we had a rapidly expanding cormorant population and at that point in time, say 2004. No one had ever documented that cormorants could decimate uh, a walleye or a perch fishery. We were in the middle of trying to document that, and we had to get federal approval to control the cormorants. It got touchy, real touchy with the local community there, and they, they, they wanted some heads on the wall. And um, so we put a plan together, and it, it took some time, but we've restored that fishery also, and it's it's humming along pretty good. So those are probably the two biggest ones, and of course, the uh, challenges with muskie management, you know, in Ottertail County and some of those uh, largely publicized battles with the Ottertail County Board of Commissioners and, and others on certain lakes about um, whether or not we should be managing for muskie. So probably my top three. I would look at sturgeon restoration as a success. Uh, the challenge there was that no one had ever done that, and we had a lot of things we needed to do. We had to figure out how to get the eggs, how to hatch the sturgeon, where to stock them. We had to remove dams and re- and modify dams so those fish, once they're in the system, could get back into areas where they could reproduce. So the challenges were different. They weren't public challenges there. They were they were um, biological challenges. And, uh, and that one's coming along quite well, too. You know, Henry, myself, Scott, and I think I can speak for a lot of our listeners, it's not just recognizing that these were challenges, but recognizing the work and the efforts and the coordination that went into them to make them successes that I think is so incredible when you look at the work that, that went into all of these. With your experience, what do you see as some of the bigger challenges for, for those folks that are steering the ship now and, and as you look into the future? Well, you know, I think, I think the combined effect of a warming climate and invasive species is number one. You know, the lakes are getting clear that have zebra mussels. The lakes are getting warmer. The warm uh, warm water species like bass and bluegill are expanding and they're moving north. And cold water species are, are taking it in the shores like whitefish and cisco and burbot. And those species are declining. So so these changes are all taking place at the same time. Many of our lakes are, are going to have challenges holding walleye populations at the levels you know we saw in the 70s and 80s and even the 90s, those intermediate-sized lakes. As those lakes warm, zebra mussels band, the lakes get clear, more vegetation, they're going to favor the panfish and bass communities more than they will walleye communities. And those shifts in, in those fisheries are going, to, are going to mean managers are going to have to adapt, fisheries managers and anglers are going to have to adapt. They're going to have to fish different times of the day if they want to catch walleye. So I think those are some of the big ones um, on, the, on the longer term, 20, 30 years. You know, it's participation. Um, recruiting young anglers, um, we're seeing nationally declines in license sales. And, and that some people may say, oh, that means fewer people on the lakes. Well, it also means fewer dollars in the coffers to fund the fish and game agencies and for the staff to do the surveys on the lakes that help us dial in on what those populations are doing. So I think together, the declining um, license sales and participation uh, is a problem with the, the uh, climate change and invasive species. That's, I think, the, the area that our folks are going to be focusing on a lot over the next 10 to 20 years. So, Henry, we only got probably about a minute left, if, if that. Um, and you kind of 
talk, just talked about something, a question I wanted to ask you that with the last year, uh, the pandemic has tended to push a lot of people to the outdoors, uh, which is great. Um, and what we've tried to do for a long time is that if that continues, which who knows if it will or not, I'm sure once, if things get back to normal, maybe that'll slow down a little bit, but will that affect the fisheries having all those extra people out there? I sure hope, uh, you know, I, I think all that extra pressure and the new people coming in, I hope we can keep them. It's a good thing. Is it going to make a job of a fisheries manager more difficult, you know, with regard to changing regulations? Yes, it is. But that's our job. If we need to make adjustments to protect fishing quality or adjust our stocking to maintain populations, you know, that's how we need to adapt as fisheries professionals. Getting more people out there and keeping them out there, I think it's just a really good thing. It's good for our sport. It's good for our traditions, our way of life, and taking care of those resources. Yeah, we talked about that for, you know, ever since this pandemic started, that uh, if there is a silver lining in this whole pandemic thing, that that is it, then it's nice to see. Henry, we really appreciate you coming on Gone Outdoors, and we hope that you can get out and enjoy uh, some of the outdoors that you've helped create and helped sustain over all the years during your retirement. Well, I look forward to doing that, and uh, it's always a pleasure, you know, talking to folks like you, and, and you've got my number. Feel free to call again sometime, and you'll get the the voice of a retired fisheries manager. Well, that is going to wrap things up for this weekend edition of Outdoors Live. Appreciate the podcast extra being made available by Scotty Brewer and Kyle Agri. Uh, make sure you check out them Saturday mornings at 11 o'clock. And then also you can check out their podcast at kfgo.com. Just took a sip of coffee, but um, need to also uh, send out a special. Happy birthday to my mom. September 8th, my mom, Marianne Lear in Valley City, her birthday is coming up. Love you, Mom, and thank you. Thank you so very much for everything that you've done for me. Um, my career in the outdoors um, has a, a strong flavor of a sack lunch made from Mom when we'd head on out to the field, whether it's fishing or hunting. And even more, I also remember um, when I had my paper out. Every once in a while, I'd get home from the paper out some scrambled eggs, maybe some sausage for breakfast, and and lots more. Not just the food. Uh, thanks, Mom, and happy birthday. This has been the weekend edition of Outdoors Live on News Radio, the Mighty 790 KFGO and FM 104.7. Till next time, I'm Doug Lear reminding you, as always, keep your lines tight and your powder dry. Have a great one out there.